Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. You always know it's going to be a good day on the show when the producer extraordinaire is talking to herself, just having a conversation with no one else. You know it's going to be a great show. <laughs> I always know it's going to be one of those really fun shows when I say something to five names and then I close the door and then she just talks to herself as if I'm still in the room with her even though I can't hear. <laughs> and now she's giving me the business. Welcome to RP3 and Company on this Thursday edition of our show. We're getting you closer to the weekend. It's going to be here in no time. What a day in sports yesterday on the diamond to the hardwood. It was a very... Very busy day. We're going to recap all the action that you may have missed. And we'll look ahead to tonight as well. We're talking NBA playoffs. We're talking college softball conference tournaments. We're talking college baseball. We're talking Major League Baseball. We're talking rumors involving the Saints. We're going to get to it all for you. Of course, joining me here. In the studios is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names. I'm your big, bald, and beautiful host, Raymond Parts III. We got three guests lined up for you today, all on the back end of the show. Philip Gidry, the track and field coach for the Westgate High Tigers, will be joining us at 7.30. By the way, Westgate has now won back-to-back state championships in track and field. Coach will join us to talk all about that. Les East will join us at 8 o'clock today, talking the latest with the New Orleans Pelicans, also the latest with the New Orleans Saints. And Peter Dreyer, author of a great read about baseball and its history, will be joining us at 8.30. Of course, we'll take your phone calls. We love to hear from you. You got something on your mind? Want to talk Saints? LSU Cajuns? Cowboys? Major League Baseball? NBA playoffs, it does not matter. You want to talk about Hannah's obsession for turning things into sandwiches when they're really not sandwiches? It does not matter. We'd love to hear from you. Hotline's always open. Just be nice to the lady on the other end of the phone. <laughs> 
337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. Is she mumbling to herself again? Yes. Yes. Is my microphone possibly going to be cut off in random times throughout today's show? Yes. Yes. We do appreciate you listening to us on your morning commute to either work or school, but don't forget you can take us wherever you may go. Simply download our mobile app. It's free for both Android and Apple devices. You can also check us out on Google Home, Alexa, and if you're here in the Acadiana area, you can watch us on the simulcast on Stadium Network 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. But we're going to start off today's show getting to the busy, busy day on the diamond that it was, especially for our college teams. Conference tournaments began yesterday. Well, it actually began on Tuesday with some of the earlier games, but they were in full swing yesterday for softball. LSU, McNeese, and UL were all playing at the same time yesterday morning. Actually began during Kevin Foot show footnotes, which obviously you can listen to every weekday morning right here on the game from 9 to 11. All three going on at the same time, and all three had some sort of drama. And I'm not talking about the streaming drama of sometimes the game not coming in properly. Let's start with the Raging Cajuns first. Not a dominant win by any stretch of the imagination, right? But they got the job done. They got the job done. They had to take on Coastal Carolina, who won, essentially, you know, won the first round game. Those are your lower seeds, your eight, your nine, your tens, and whatnot. And Jerry Glasgow's team was not dominant. They only won four to two. But it was enough to get the job done because now we're talking conference tournament time and you're not going to get anything with style points. You're not going to earn anything extra by routing the competition. You're just not. But they did begin their postseason play there in Mobile at the home of South Alabama with a 4-2 victory. And... Give credit to Shorman for UL. She was very good on the bump or in the circle, as they like to say. Nine strikeouts from the Raging Cajuns' young star pitcher who's really become their ace. We had Dan McDonald on earlier this week on the show, and he said, look, they they really have three pitchers, and they do. This is not just one girl that's going to carry them. They have three different pitchers, and Megan may be the best of them. Nine strikeouts. She was relieved in the sixth inning. And obviously, she was your kind of star of the game, player of the game, if you will. Seven innings, only allowing three hits, one run, striking out nine to lead the Cajuns to the next round. And they got enough offensive production. Langeliers hits a home run in this ball game. That proved to be enough for the 4-2 victory. 
And the Cajuns move on. They play again today. Today's the quarterfinals. And we'll see if they'll be able to advance to Friday's semifinals. And obviously the championship round, championship game would be Saturday. Because the NCAA regional pairings come out on Sunday. So Cajuns really kind of start off things with a win. Maybe a little bit closer than many people expected it to be. But that kind of just set the table for what was to come. Because if you wanted some high drama, you got it in both LSU's game and McNeese's game. We'll start off with the Cowgirls. Number one seed, just like UL is in the Sunbelt Tournament. McNeese is the number one seed in the Southland Conference Tournament. They had their hands full. They really survived a scare, needed extra innings to get away from Northwestern State, who came in with nothing to lose and gave McNeese everything it could handle. Cowgirls pulled out the win 6-5 to five in the eighth inning. They needed to score two in the eighth because things got hairy late. <laughs> A lot of these runs in this game came fifth inning on. And NSU took the lead in the top of the seventh. And McNeese was on, uh-oh. They've been battling back and forth for innings in this game. NSU takes the lead in the seventh with a solo home run for McKenzie Chaffin. And you're like, uh-oh. Cowgirls about to be eliminated. But credit McNeese. They forced extra innings as a single by Perrin brought home Jill Pollard. And you're like, okay. Forced extras. But then there in the top of the eighth, the Demons took the lead again as Bailey Ragsdale single drove in a run. And you're like, okay, McNeese has got to have to respond yet again to force extras. This time they responded to win the game. Kendall Talley scored William on a bunt single. Kendall Talley, the former Raging Cajun who is the newcomer of the year for the Southland Conference. And then the Cowgirls won the game on a single to right field by Marino, which allowed Alyssa Seneca to score. The two teams combined for 21 runners left on base. So lots of opportunity, lots of missed opportunities, more specific. McNeese survives and now advances to their game later today. Originally scheduled for 11 o'clock, it's been pushed due to rescheduling there at the tournament. It will now be around 1.30 this afternoon that McNeese will get back on the field as the one seed there. So Cajuns, hard-fought win, but they advance. McNeese gets a scare from Northwestern State as the top overall seed, but they advance. The Lady Tigers, though, not so much. Beth Drina's girls laid a massive egg at the SEC tournament. Any hopes of them possibly hosting a regional are now gone. Now gone. They were on the bubble to try to host one as it was. They were going to have to make a little bit of a run in the SEC tournament, but they're one and done. They're gone. They fall in extra innings to the 11-seeded Mississippi State Bulldogs. 
LSU nationally ranked, loses to the second worst team in the conference, in the conference tournament. Not hosting a regional now. Which more than likely means, and we've talked about this before, that all the Louisiana teams will be on the road for regionals. There won't be a single one that will host. Even though it looks like Cajuns, Tigers, and more than likely Cowgirls will all get in, they're all going to be on the road. And LSU just... Look, they had multiple chances in this game. Late in this game. Multiple chances. And they were the home team. And multiple chances in the bottom end. They put runners on the base pass, but it didn't matter. They couldn't bring in the runs that they needed. They had chance after chance late in this ball game to win it. And they didn't. And then Mississippi State took advantage. And they just got run after run after run after run after run after run. And Mississippi State went innings without even getting a runner on the base pass from the fourth inning on. But the Bulldogs score. They got two back-to-back hits to right field for a three-run lead. And then LSU came up and... Their tournament ended with a flyout, strikeout, and a flyout. LSU left 10 runners on the base paths. 10. LSU will get into a regional. Make no bones about it. That is going to happen. They're good enough to get in there. They just picked the absolute worst day to have a bad day. At the park. That's exactly what happened. They played poorly, and it cost them. It absolutely cost them. And LSU will wait its fate on Sunday. It will still get in, but it will definitely now travel. There will be no hosting. Be none of that. Mean East, UL advance on to another day to see if they can win their conference tournament. The Louisiana Raging Cajuns baseball team was also in action. We said it was a busy day. Yesterday evening, they were playing their second game against Rice in as many days before going over to San Marcos to take on Texas State for a key three-game Sunbelt Conference Series. Matt Deggs' team, so it's a tight game early, 3-3. Until it wasn't, because then the Cajun Bats said, hey, it's time for some batting practice, and scored a season-high 16 runs to cap off a 16-6 mercy rule victory over Rice on Wednesday night. They take both games from the Owls, the Raging Cajuns do, build up some nice momentum on the road as they head into a key three-game series against Texas State. Once again, the Bobcats are your number one seeded team as of right now in the Sunbelt Conference. A series win this weekend for Degg's team would go a long way for them, improving their RPI and getting an at-large bid for, for an NCAA regional if they don't win the Sunbelt Conference tournament. But this could go a long way for a regular season championship. 
seeding purposes for the conference tournament in Montgomery and more. But Matt Deggs' team polishes off the Rice Owls in mercy rule fashion as they went ahead and packed their bags and keep trucking over to Texas in lovely San Marcos. We got to take a timeout. When we return here in RP3 and Company, Houston Astros, they began to play a game. They were crushing the faces of the Minnesota Twinkies. And then weather decided, hey, not so much. We'll talk about that coming up next. Right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. If you haven't joined the Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com, you know what? You need to do so today. You know why? Well, besides the fact that it's free, free to join, boom. It's easy to join. You just go to our website. You click on the Rewards Club tab. You sign up. Done. It'll take you like 45 seconds. Once you become a member, you're going to have the opportunity to win great stuff. Great stuff. Like, I don't know. How about a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse? Delicious mouth-watering steaks. They bring the desserts out on this three-tier golden tray cart. They got a cigar room, great adult beverages. You can take your lady out for a great time, or you can just go with the fellas. Go down to Cypress Bayou. Have some fun. Spend a little money. Guess what? Dinner's taken care of because you got that $150 gift certificate for them, Mr. Lester's. But you can only get hooked up with that by becoming a member of our clubhouse. So go sign up today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Become a member of our clubhouse so you can have the opportunity to win great stuff like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse down at Cypress Bayou. Lit off today's show talking about the flurry of activity, a plethora of games that was going on yesterday. Softball conference tournaments were going on. Raging Cajuns tested by Coastal Carolina. They advance. Number one seed McNeese Cowgirls need extra innings, but find a way to rally to win to take down Northwestern State. LSU, meanwhile, unfortunately, Beth Trina's team has a pub on game and they get eliminated by the 11 seeded team in the SEC tournament. No hosting of regional now for LSU as they await their fate come, uh, come Sunday. And of course, the UL baseball team, Mercy Rules, Rice to win the second straight game against the Owls as Matt Degg's team now heads over to San Marcos, Texas for a key three-game series 
against the number one seeded Texas State Bobcats. Regular season championship, possibly on the line, seeding for the conference tournament, and a great chance for Matt Deggs' team to improve their standing, so to speak, for the RPIs. So, great opportunity there. The Houston Astros, they tried to get a game in. It looked like they were going to game in. It looked like they were well on their way of crushing the faces of the Minnesota Twins and winning their ninth straight game because they were leading 5-1 to one in the fourth inning. But then severe weather came through Minneapolis, so much so that I saw Houston Astro beat reporters like Chandler Rome sharing the weather warnings on their phones, and you're like, oh, geez. <laughs> you, when it says find shelter now, that's usually a good indicator that the game is not going to be played. So what they've done, because of the severe weather, they went ahead and postponed the contest until today. So the two teams will resume the first game at noon central today. And then the game two, which was already planned for day for afternoon baseball, will start 30 minutes afterwards. So you're going to get a game and a half today right here on the game. You're going to be able to listen to both games. Astros at Twins. They'll wrap up last night's game. And then 30 minutes afterwards, they'll begin the second game. You'll be able to listen to that doubleheader right here on the game starting at noon this afternoon. Right now, let's head out to the hotline for our first caller of the day. He's been patiently waiting. It's our buddy, Doug. Doug, good morning to you, brother. What is on your mind, my friend? Morning, morning, Ray. I'm picking blackberries right now. Oh, that, um, my man's living the best life. You start your day picking some blackberries. He's speaking my language, brother. Hey, man, I got an LSU blackberry bush, brother. What? Yes, sir. Oh, yes, sir. I got it 20 years ago from LSU. Man, this thing can produce. Might have to send you a jar of blackberries, Ray. I'm, on, I, man, I, I'm all about that, brother. Thank you. Thank I you. I got you, brother. I got you. Hey, Ray. If the Cajuns win the Sun Belt, you don't think they can host? No, I don't think. I, I don't think where they're at. They're they're right in the bottom of the top twenty-five, right as it stands right now. They would need a lot of yeah. help, and even though Jerry Glasgow's team turned a corner about the midway point of the season, Doug, they don't have enough of those big caliber wins. Remember, they lost all their games to LSU. Right. They lost to Alabama right. twice. They lost to Texas twice. Now, they beat Texas, okay? And I have seen some projections that have the Cajuns either in Texas for an Austin regional. That would be favorable because they already know Texas and they've right. already beat them. I've also seen them possibly projected to be in the Tuscaloosa regional, which is not going, you know, that's not no, what you want. No. That's not what you want. Yeah, I'd rather see them in the, in the Austin regional. But, but – I was watching that Tiger game last night, Ray, and I'm telling you, man, if I could afford another TV, my remote would have went flying through my TV in the living room. <laughs> that was a gut wrencher, man. They just that played. So they just played so poorly. I think they looked past there. Remember, we've talked about this before, Doug. It, yeah, they have Sinceri. They have a couple other girls, but they're like the Cajuns. They're very young. And I think that was a classic case yesterday where you saw a team that hadn't really been on that stage before. I'm talking about the young girls playing, not talking the team or the coach. 
and they didn't they weren't as prepared as they should have been and Mississippi State as the 11 seed they got nothing to lose they played yep. that way yep. and then LSU started playing a little tight as the game went on they started playing a little tight and they left all those runners on the base pass well, Alex Capone, and God bless her. I mean, she did everything she could to keep that team in the game. And, you know, and, and they fought back to tie it up in the seventh, but just a couple of bad angles on some balls, and and that was it. You know, it gave uh, Mississippi State uh, some runs, and that was it. They couldn't come back from that. But, I mean, we're, we're going to look forward to the um, regionals and see what happens. I think the Cajuns, man, they're on a 10-game a winning streak. I mean, they're tough right now. They're peaking at the right time. They really are. They really are, Doug. Absolutely. Thanks for taking my call, Ray. I appreciate it, brother. I'll be expecting those blackberries any day now. You got it, brother. <laughs> Look, we're not going to have a Louisiana school host a regional, but you are going to have several Louisiana schools in a regional. So it's not going to be like it was last year, which was great. Uh, last year was LSU hosted the Baton Rouge Regional. The Cajuns were the two seed. McNeese was the four seed. So we had three of our teams playing in the same spot there at Tiger Park. And and that makes it for a great atmosphere, right? Because you have all the fan bases, and those fan bases can actually just drive straight there. And they do take that into consideration, by the way. The NCAA committees, when they put together these regionals for both softball and baseball, they look at it and they go, okay, which fan bases can travel? It's not, it's not going to be as daunting of a challenge for them to come support their team. And a lot of times they also like to take teams that are regionally from the same area because you do have fans that will stick around and watch the other games. So that's part of it as well. We won't have that now because LSU had the best chance. LSU's now going to be a two-seed. Cajuns are going to be a two-seed. McNeese is probably going to be a four-seed, maybe a three, more than likely a four. They'll all be playing. They just won't be doing it at home. And I've seen the Cajuns in particular projected Texas, Tuscaloosa, and other places. So we'll see what happens. But Doug is right. Cajuns are on a roll. They are hot right now. Got to take a timeout. When we come back here on RP3 and Company, oh, man. We're going to put the baseball, college softball talk on hold just briefly. When we come back, we're going to talk about last night's NBA action. Woo! Some drama late in one. The other one didn't have much drama, but it was a stunner. We'll also unveil our poll question of the day. Producer extraordinaire Hannah Five Names worked very hard on it. We'll unveil that coming up next. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to join in the discussion with RP3? Then just give us a call on the hotline. 
You know the number. Two, four, niner, five, six, seven, eight. I can't hear you. You're trailing off. And did I catch a niner in there? Were you calling from a walkie-talkie? No need to be embarrassed. Just call us at 337-706-0111. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Don't go through another summer with that awful joint pain. Call QC Kinetics right now. Hey, it's Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. That pain in your back, your knees, your shoulder, it can now be treated with the latest in precision medicine using natural biologics, growth factors that can restore and repair damaged tissue. Really exciting stuff. QC Kinetics is the nation's leader in regenerative medicine, giving you access right here to this modern-day joint pain solution. You can get lasting joint pain relief with no drugs, no steroids, no downtime, and guess what? No surgery. You have heard Emmett Smith raving about QC Kinetics. You've read or seen other high-profile people talking about it. Regenerative medicine at QC Kinetics can help you get your life back. Take action now. Get a free consultation. Powerful, effective joint pain treatments with natural biologics are here. Call QC Kinetics right now, 337 243 4222. That's 337-243-4222. Let's talk a little NBA playoffs, shall we? That first game last night, this series between Boston and Milwaukee is just amazing. It, it, It just is. It's been salty. It's been physical. You've had drama, and last night was the best game so far of this series. And and this is the type of series that if you appreciate the association, you're an NBA fan, this is the type of series that you hope for. Now, we're getting it in the Eastern Conference semifinals, and typically you don't have a great series like this in the semifinals and then have a couple more of them in the conference finals and then the NBA finals. But right now, we're getting this. And what a game last night. And what a comeback effort by Milwaukee. Because here's the deal. Boston was in control of this game. This was their game to lose. And that's exactly what they did. They lost this game. They were in control for three and a half quarters. Three and a half quarters. It looked like Boston was going to go up in this series three games to two. Until they weren't. Just. It's amazing. Giannis. The Greek freak has to be. One of the most likable NBA stars we've had since probably 1980s Showtime Magic. He's just likable. And he put on a show 
Boy, did he ever. Celtics were the better team for three and a half quarters. Up 14 points with nine minutes left to go in this game. And they just choked it away. Credit Milwaukee. Credit Giannis for continuing to fighting through some hard fouls, fighting through being cut. He was bleeding out. Probably going to need some stitches. Played through it. Blood in his eyes, doesn't matter. He's making the free throws. And then, old Mr. Pelican himself, Drew Holiday. We talked about how Milwaukee needed somebody else to kind of step up, right? Chris Middleton is out. He's their second best player. Who's going to step up? Who's going to make the plays needed? And Drew Holiday closed out this game for the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, Porter hit that hook shot, which was ridiculous. And Giannis was phenomenal playing through, you know, being cut up, looking like a boxer out there. But this is what Drew did. In the last 15 seconds of the game, Drew Holiday crashed the boards, contributed to the Celtics mishandling a rebound, and Bobby Portis getting the putback. He then blocked Marcus Smart's shot, saved the ball on the baseline before it went out of bounds, threw the ball off of Smart's body, and then promptly stole the ball from Smart to end the game. Not a great final 30 seconds for Marcus Smart, your defensive player of the year. And the Celtics melted down a little bit there. Well, once again, it can be both things. Milwaukee fighting hard, fighting through, doing what they needed to do to win the game. That is true. And Drew Holiday played some of the best basketball we've seen him play in years in a span of about 45 seconds because he made every play that was needed for Milwaukee to win the game. He took over this game defensively and was an absolute madman as the Bucks won 110 to 107 and stopped. I mean, credit Portis for the hook shot. Credit Giannis for playing through the cut. But Drew Holiday won this game for Milwaukee with his defensive prowess. Just phenomenal. I mean, the Celtics let the Bucks outscore them 33 to 21 in the final quarter. They only lost by three. They only lost by three. Giannis had 40 points in this ballgame, 6 of 10 from the free throw line, 16 of 27 from the field. Phenomenal performance. And now Milwaukee, your defending world champs, are in complete control of this series because now they only have to win more, one more, and they stole a game in Boston, which they did last night. They're one win away from punching their ticket to the Eastern Conference Finals. And they're doing it without Chris Middleton. That's the other thing that's got to be in the crawl of Boston Celtics fans is that you have a golden opportunity here because Milwaukee's down without one of their best players. Their second best player is out, not playing in the series. And you still can't get over the hump and you let this game get away from you.
part of it was Milwaukee rising to the occasion late. The other part of it was Boston just choked it away in the last few minutes. And then came our nightcap. (laughs) What? Memphis without John Morant. Down three games to one. They come back home to Memphis, the Grizzlies do. Jaws and street clothes. Golden State, with their retooled roster of death, is looking to punch their ticket to the Western Conference Finals. They have all the experience. They have the championships. Memphis is the young and -and up-and-coming team. And the only thing Golden State's got to do is just, you know, roll the balls out there, and they're going to be good to go. 134 to 95 beatdown. I not really for sure what happened to Golden State. There was a moment in that game where I go, are they throwing the game so they can go back to San Francisco and have another game at home? Because this was an epic performance. Look, we knew Memphis was going to be fired up because they were trying to stave off elimination, right? They're at home. They're going to get some juice because of that, because of the home crowd. They're at the Grindhouse. I think they still call it the Grindhouse. But to absolutely demolish Golden State, Steph Curry, 4 of 10 from the field, only 14 points. Klay Thompson, 7 of 12, only 19 points. They weren't really a factor. They weren't really. The best players on the court were not a factor. Memphis, meanwhile, without Jaw, once again, Jaw's their best player. He's got that bone bruise. They had three different guys in the starting lineup score 21 points. They had three players off the bench score in double digits. They had a bunch of dudes just step up. Jackson and Jones and Bain. And they force a game six. Is Memphis going to win this series? No. Golden State's still going to win the series. But now they're going to make Golden State work for it. And Golden State was looking for an early exit to get an extra day, extra day or two of rest before preparing for the Western Conference Finals. Well, you don't get that now because now you got to play a game six. And Phoenix, who's on the cusp of advancing to the Western Conference Finals themselves, will be sending a thank you card to the Memphis Grizzlies. Thank you for that. But it, it was as if Golden State did not even want to be there. They looked disinterested and they were absolutely dominated dominated what a crazy night of action in the NBA and one more little nugget on Drew Holiday according to ESPN stats and info Drew the former New Orleans Pelican is the first player over the last 25 postseasons that's 25 years that's longer than five names has been alive He's the first player to record a block and a steal inside the final 10 seconds of a fourth quarter of a playoff game. A block and a steal within 10 seconds. In the final 10 seconds of a game, he becomes the first player in 25 years to record a block and a steal in the final 10 seconds of the fourth quarter of a playoff game. That's called being clutch when it was needed more than anything. A great line from... If you watch the TNT show with Shaq and Charles Barkley, Ken Smith, of course, 
If anyone remembers Hustle and Flow, the great movie starring Terrence Howard. About a street hustler who becomes a rapper. Well, in that movie, of course, they had the song, Whoop That Trick. And apparently Steph Curry beforehand said that they were going to whoop Memphis. Well, Shaq on the telecast last night said, the Warriors said all that, we're going to whoop that trick. Well, it looks like the trick is fighting back. Shaq is a treasure. It's what the man does. What the man does. By the way, that movie, Wholesome Flow, took place in Memphis. So that was the other part of that. So, yeah. So, <laughs> you saw a lot of the memes last night, you know, and the Michael Jordan meme, and, and I took that personally. But they look disinterested. Classic case of Golden State just thinking, oh, we got this. And just kind of being like, ah, not a problem. It was absolute one of the biggest beatdowns I've seen in a long time in the postseason. It was on pace to match the the last most lopsided playoff loss, which was the Denver Nuggets beating the New Orleans Hornets of all teams, 121-63 to back in the first round of the 2009 playoffs. Do you have a poll question of the day to get to? It's about the New Orleans Saints. Nothing yet on the Jarvis Landry front. The Saints could be in the market of bringing in a free agent veteran wide receiver. And that leads us to our poll question of the day. Which veteran free agent wide receiver should the Saints sign? Cole Beasley's out there. He he would be a good little slot wide receiver in this offense. Jarvis Landry, obviously still out there, even though Baltimore is coveting him. Emmanuel Sanders, he's still a free agent. We know how successful he was in the Saints offense a couple years ago. Or is it none? Do you feel good about the Saints wide receiving core with Michael Thomas coming back and the addition of Chris Olave? Right now, 62% of you say Jarvis Landry. 16% say none. And 11% apiece for the former Buffalo Bill wide receivers, Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders. Keep voting on that poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to upgrade your experience for Downtown Rising. That's right. Ultimate Downtown Rising VIP experience. This is what you're going to score when you get your VIP passes. Great access. Behind the stage, near the stage, the whole nine yards. Oh, and guess what? You're also going to get a chance to meet our headliners for downtown rising this year the cold war kids that's right they got a hit song on the radio you want to meet them you can if you win the ultimate downtown rising vip experience simply register in the game rewards club today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to win vip passes for downtown rising featuring cold war kids on saturday june the 4th 
The Ultimate Downtown Rising VIP Experience is presented by Social Entertainment, Radar Solutions, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Good first hour in the books. Good first hour in the books. Talk to Cajuns softball, McNeese softball, LSU softball, Cajuns baseball, Astros baseball. By the way, reminder about those throws. Game got postponed. It will be completed today. They'll begin that at noon. Strohs at Twins. They'll wrap up the first game, yesterday's game, and then they'll play the second game 30 minutes afterwards. You can listen to both of those games right here on the game later today, starting at noon. Hour number two coming up. We'll keep taking your phone calls as well. Game hotline is open, 337-706-0111. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. That's what I get for showing off. <laughs> I started showing off some uh, some sick dance moves here inside the studio to kick off hour number two as the clock turns to 7.03. And uh, I started choking <laughs> for no good reason. And five names just sat there stone-faced. Wasn't even concerned that I was choking. I could have fallen out of my chair and she would have been like, whatever. Whatever. Falling out of your chair, it's a whole different story. <laughs> You've done that before, so you're going to get over it. Yeah. You're choking on your water. Uh, sometimes sometimes that chair gets away from me. Hey, where'd it go? Oh, there it is. <laughs> they do. They do really bad when you're wanting to go home and then LSU Tigers go into two extra innings. The chair just disappears. <laughs> Are we going to address the elephant in the room to start off hour number two? So I'm gonna bring it I'm gonna bring it to the table. Go ahead. So yesterday, producer extraordinaire Hannah Five Names was doing her job. She gets done producing the morning shows and she was assigned to cover the LSU game for our website. So Miguez is doing the Cajuns game, I'm doing the McNeese game, and she was doing the LSU game. Well, she forgot to bring a lunch. So he was she was working through lunch. She was getting hangry. Not as hangry as James Mesh was. But still hangry nonetheless. So, and she didn't want to go home because LSU had gone into extra innings and she didn't want to wait to post the story until she got home. So she was waiting on that game to wrap up and then LSU just couldn't score runs and made poor Hannah just stay here at the studio. So she's waiting, she's waiting, and she's just getting delirious. She's like, I didn't get anything to eat. I'm hungry. 
Because I expect to be home before lunchtime. <laughs> yes. So, poor five names, you know. And I feel bad. So, I go to my drawer. And I'm like, I got I to gotta have something in my drawer. And I do. I have Fig Newtons in my drawer. So, I bring her a Fig Newton. I was like, here you go. Eat this. This will hold you over until you get home. And what would you, what'd you promptly do with that Fig Newton little package of Fig Newtons okay. I gave you? What One, happened to I it? I graciously accepted it because you never be picky or rude about people giving you free food. So I said thank you. And then I proceeded to walk out the studio because you can't eat inside the studio. I take a bite of the Fig Newton because I know I don't like Fig Newtons. I haven't since I was little. <laughs> So I take a bite, and Miguez is zooming in on me on the camera, and I'm like, don't do this. This is not going to be a good sight. And then I proceeded to go and help along in the high James Mesh's food and put my bitten Fig Newton in his uh, lunch bag. Yes, which he it. promptly left on my <laughs> chair in my office. So it was a whole thing. <laughs> Thank you for that. You're welcome. Thank you. I expect to be home by, like, one o'clock because I get all my work. I if get I done, give you I something to snack one. on moving forward, obviously <laughs> not a fig Newton because you don't care for them. So yeah, the second thing is, what if I gave you like a cereal bar, like yeah. a Nutri-Grain bar? You would, you would, you would eat that. And yeah, because I used you, to you, not like them, and then we, it's all we really had one day for like a week for summer camp. So I began to like the Nutri-Grain bars like, because I that's all I really had for breakfast. There we go. At, my summer camp I was working for. Okay. All right. There we go. So I'll know that moving forward. I had those in the drawer as well. I could have gave you one of those. I said, <laughs> hey, Fig Newton, who doesn't enjoy a good Fig Newton? And and you I don't even tried to spare my feelings. I did. I will always try to spare your feelings. Megas doesn't like him either, so <laughs> I wasn't alone in the fight. I could have like that's what I usually do if I don't like something. I'll ask somebody, Do you like this? <laughs> usually they take it. So then <laughs> it still gets eaten. It's fine. It's fine. Next time I'll bring you guys green beans or something. Hey, um, I love green beans. What do you mean? Oh. <laughs> green beans, mushrooms. Oh, stop. <laughs> Just stop. Please stop. Please stop. Oh, man. Hour number two of RP3 and Company has arrived. Reminder, we have not one but two day baseball games going on this afternoon. Because the Astros game last night against the Minnesota Twins, they jumped out. To an early lead. They were rocking and rolling. They were ready to go. 5-1 in the fourth inning. But the play of the game is suspended. First briefly and then, well, they went ahead and postponed it. Because they were getting severe weather in Minneapolis. So much so that reporters were getting notifications on their phone about seeking shelter. So that's usually a good indicator not to play a baseball game. Or any type of sporting event. So that's been pushed to today. So here's the game plan. They will pick up where they left off there in the fourth inning. Astros, Twins. That game will start at noon today. Once it is wrapped up, they'll play their scheduled day baseball game today. It'll just be a little bit later. So it'll happen 30 minutes after the completion of last night's game. So it's going to begin right there. Noon today, they'll start, restart last night's game at noon today, and then 30 minutes after that, they'll begin the second game 
Astros at Twins. You'll be able to listen to both games right here. The rare doubleheader, day doubleheader right here on the game. And to let you know, there is only a, at the most, 9% chance of rain in Minnesota for the game from the entire duration of both games. So there should be no reason to postpone either game as it does not start until around 11 midnight tonight. Someone's coming from Chris Cozart's job. Shout out, D. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily, Chris Cozart does it out here. I'm just talking about it from Minnesota. <laughs> I should joke again to make fun of me. That's what I get. That's what I get. That's what I get. Absolutely, it's what I get. So we got Astros Day Baseball this afternoon, back-to-back games for you. And we'll also be monitoring what's happening at the Sunbelt Conference Tournament for softball and the Southland Conference Tournament for softball. LSU gets eliminated in extra innings against 11-seed Mississippi State yesterday in the SEC Tournament there in Gainesville. They're done, and their chances of hosting a regional go with it. They'll have to be on the road more than likely as a two-seed. Cajuns and Cowgirls probably are not going to host either, but they do have a chance to improve their standings with regionals by keep moving on and winning their conference tournaments. They're both the top seeds in both of their conferences. So that action will happen today. We'll keep you abreast of what goes on there with the Cajuns and the Cowgirls. Raging Cajuns baseball team, mercy rule victory against Rice last night. Phenomenal. They just, I mean, it was a 3-3 game. And then the Cajuns went on and treated the rest of the game like it was batting practice. Scored a season-high 16 runs and a 16-6 Mercy Rule win over Rice. They take both games from the Owls in the midweek contest, and now they move on to San Marcos, Texas, to take on Texas State for a key Sunbelt Series. That will likely determine who wins the regular season championship and who earns the one seed for the Sunbelt Conference Tournament that's going to be held in Montgomery, home of the minor league Biscuits. And, of course, a great night in NBA playoffs. Bit of a stunner, right? Memphis without John Morant, him watching from the bench. They're back at home, and the Grizzlies dismantled the Warriors to stave off elimination, beating them 134-95. to Grizzlies had three different players score 21 points. In this ballgame, Golden State didn't have really anyone do much of anything. And then the Grizzlies force a game six without their best player. Golden State sleepwalking. Back-to-back games. Because Memphis had a chance to win game four as well, if you remember, without John Morant. But Golden State came up big down the stretch to pull out the win there. That's two not-so-great performances by Golden State here. They'll have a chance to close it out in game six in San Francisco. Earlier in the night, the Celtics-Bucks game, Giannis gets cut late, shooting free throws with blood in his eye. Bobby Porter makes a hook shot in the Celtics, who were in complete control in this game for three and a half quarters and led by 14 points with nine minutes to go. They choked. They choked it away a little bit. And credit Milwaukee. Giannis had the 40 points, but Drew Holiday was a machine. A block and a steal in the last 45 seconds. Both against Marcus Smart as he helped the Bucks seal 
the victory 110 to 107. Milwaukee now has the 3 2 series lead in that series. And they did so by winning in Boston, nonetheless. So, an exciting day on the court, on the field, on the diamond. But nothing yet news wise concerning the New Orleans Saints. Multiple reports came out that they had met with Jarvis Landry and that they were going to possibly make him a contract offer. But Baltimore Ravens are also in the mix for the former LSU star wide receiver. And that leads us to our poll question of the day. Nothing's happened on the Landry front yet, but do the Saints really need to bring in a veteran free agent wide receiver? You get Michael Thomas back. You just drafted Chris Olave in the first round. Do you need to bring in another veteran free agent wide receiver? We asked you, which veteran free agent wide receiver should the Saints sign? Right now, overwhelmingly, 65% of you say Jarvis Landry. 13% say no one. 12% of you say Emmanuel Sanders. He already knows the offense. He played here a few years ago. Was wildly successful. Or 10% of you say Cole Beasley. Let's get to some comments. JPK, the OD, says none of the above. Rather see them bring in Hicks or Clowney for some veteran help. Maybe both. Either of those guys would shine in a situational rotational role for 15 to 20 plays a game. Salty Steve, also omelet aficionado, Steve Flint. Beasley's 33, Sanders is 35, and Landry's 29. Wide receivers over 30 rarely hold up. That's true. Beasley is a head case. Oh, he also is a wannabe rapper. Sanders is looking for one last contract before walking away. Let's get Landry. He's younger, stronger, and can play over the middle. Hashtag Tiger Nation. Hashtag Let's Go. Hashtag Five Names. Steve with the trifecta of hashtags today. My man's busy. Ton on Twitter says, Sanders would be a solid ad for not a lot of money. Beasley would be okay, but could be a distraction with his health choices, though they shouldn't care. No one wants to bring up his aspirations to be a rapper. We know what we get with Landry, but how much would we have to spend to get it? Probably a lot more than we should. John Paul, Cajun Daddy. Oh, that's a Twitter handle. Landry would be great, but Sanders would be cheaper and knows the system. And Brody says, if the Saints want to maximize jersey sales, they would sign Jarvis Landry. Keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. But right now, let's head out to the game hotline. Welcome on, Mr. Green, a.k.a. Jamie, who's trying to get to the finish line of the school year. Bud, how you doing this morning? I'm doing all right, Mr. Third. I'm doing all right. We are we are 10 days of kids away, not including today, 10 days of kids away from summer break. And uh, But who's counting, right? <laughs> who, 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 who's counting? What's the first thing you're going to do when you don't have kids in the classroom? Like, what's the first thing? Are you going to just sleep all day? Are you going to do some day drinking? I mean, what's, what's the game plan? <laughs> I got a four-year-old and a one-year-old. Nothing's changing. <laughs> like, I will still be getting up probably about 6 o'clock in the morning. I probably still won't be going to bed until about, you know, 1130 at night. And, you know, we'll just keep on rolling. The only difference is I'm not going to have to put up with uh, other people's shenanigans or other people's kids' shenanigans, I guess I should say. 
Uh, there you go, bud. That's a silver lining, right? <laughs> I guess. I guess. What's but on your no, mind, brother? I wanted to go in on the poll question today, but I also have to say strawberry and blueberry Nutri-Gain bars for the win, Miss Five Names. Strawberry and blueberry, the best. That's there we go. There hands we go. down. We used to, we used to eat those uh, before cross-country meets back in the, you know, uh, well, I'm not going to say how long ago it was, but let's just say uh, it was before you were covering the Northwestern State Demons. Um, so uh, <laughs> it's been a so while. we used to eat those. They were fantastic. But I wanted to go on the poll question of the day and throw out another name. Um, you guys forgot about A.B. You, oh, you, you don't no. want to sign A.B.? No. No? No, 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 no one wants to oh, sign Antonio oh, Brown. Oh, 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 okay. My bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, did, I, would, I would love to see Jarvis come home. I wouldn't like to have to play against them, but, you know, the Saints are already stacked, so why not add another piece, right? So, uh, anyway, that's that's my choice, I suppose, if y'all ain't going to take A.B. No, no no one wants to take A.B., bud. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we don't want Appreciate right, the phone call, brother. Have a good one. Yeah, Antonio Brown, I, I don't see him on an NFL roster anytime soon. He's going to be joining that flag football league with run by fans with Terrell Owens. Oh, A.B. Mr. Big Chest. Yeah. Out of the league. Not optimal for him. Not optimal for him. So so Ralph Bergeron uh, messaged us directly. Shout out to Ralph for the, the, for the DM. And he, Ralph's all in our DMs, as they like to say. <laughs> He says, doubt five names wants to work at Channel 10. Their vending machine only, in all caps, has Fig Newtons. <laughs> See, then I bring my own lunch. But I don't plan to bring my own lunch. You don't lunch. bring your lunch, your own lunch now. You bring snacks. Right. You don't bring your own lunch. Because I bring little snacks because I don't care too, too much for breakfast as like an everyday thing. So by the time I get done, the plan is hopefully to be done by noon so that I can go home. And make lunch at my house. Yesterday didn't happen. I went home at 2.30. So I didn't think to bring my lunch. Because I don't bring my lunch. Because I'm supposed to go home for lunch. Amazing. So boom. And I found a granola bar. So don't worry guys. I wasn't hanging for too long. I had a granola bar in my bag I found. That I didn't know I had. Oh isn't that amazing? You come across (laughs) a granola bar. That's been smashed up in your book sack. (laughs) You have no idea how long it's been in there. It's only been for the week. I just got to get all the bars. So it's been the latest, like maybe a couple days. You grab it. It's been partially open. You're like, did I (laughs) do that? I didn't know, but it's not. Did I buy it from the store that way? No. What's happened here? (laughs) What's going on? My manners are losing. Go vote on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll continue to update it throughout today's rp3 and company of course but when we return here we'll keep taking your phone calls hotline is open 337-706-0111 we got guests coming up philip gidry westgate track and field coach back-to-back state champs he's coming up at 7 30 then we got Les at 8 o'clock Les east our buddy from crescentcitysports.com and then at 8 30 we have peter dreyer author so you want to get those phone calls in next segment is the best time to do it game hotline is open 337-706-0111 you are listening to the game
1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the best local sports talk in Southwest Louisiana. Game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with tickets for a special sneak peek of Top Gun Maverick. That's right, the highly anticipated summer blockbuster. You can see it before anyone else by simply texting Top Gun to 68683. That's Top Gun to 68683 to score a pair of tickets for a special sneak peek. May the 26th at the Celebrity Theater in Broussard. It's the Top Gun Sneak Peek Preview brought to you by Big Boy Toys and the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Once again, if you want to score tickets to see Top Gun Maverick before anyone else can, text Top Gun to 68683. That's Top Gun to 68683. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. Saints have been flirting, if you will, with Jarvis Landry, former LSU star wide receiver. He apparently is not going to be returning to Cleveland, even though he tried to work out a deal. But Jarvis is one of many, several, that's what many means, free agent wide receivers. Odell Beckham Jr. still hasn't been signed, but he's coming off the injury. Cole Beasley's out there. But he's kind of on the older end. Emmanuel Sanders is even older, but he knows the Saints' offense. Or, with Michael Thomas coming back and drafting Chris Olave in the first round this year, do the Saints even need to bother bringing in another free agent wide receiver? That's our poll question of the day. Which veteran free agent wide receiver should the Saints sign? Overwhelmingly, you guys say Jarvis Landry, 64% of the vote. 14% say Emmanuel Sanders. 13% say none. While 9% of you say Cole Beasley. Ralph on Twitter says, what about OBJ? Came close to signing with us last year and was money with the Rams. That's right. And you could get him on the cheap because he's coming off the injury, right? So that could be a possibility, even though there are some Saints fans that would not want Odell Beckham Jr. on the team because OBJ tends to like, well, tends to love OBJ. (laughs) So, but he was a good soldier for the Rams during their Super Bowl winning run last year, was he not? So maybe he could be the same. Maybe he's done uh, matured a little bit. You never do know about these things. You really don't. And especially when a guy is coming off an injury, a lot of times that will humble them as well. Because Odell would have gotten a bigger contract already. He'd already been locked up if he hadn't got hurt. 
and isn't coming off the injury like he is. I firmly believe that. So that's another part of it as well. You know, could you get OBJ and sign him to a cheap deal? Like a little one-year team-friendly deal so he can prove that he can, you know, come back from the injury and play? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe you could. Martin on Facebook. We know he's a Cowboys fan. He says, I'm just a Cowboys fan here for the comments today. And five names the NBA playoffs still aren't done yet. LOL. <laughs> I'm here for Martin's comment. Shout out to Martin for that. <laughs> Keep those comments coming on our poll question of the day. Leave them on Facebook and Twitter. But we got to take a timeout. First guest of the day is coming up. Philip Gidry. He's the track and field coach for the Westgate Tigers. Guess what? They just repeated one back-to-back state championships. Coach will be joining us to tell us all about it, to tell us how the team was able to come back and win back-to-back, which is immensely difficult to do. That's coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. RP3 is the epitome of a high roller, constantly making large bets. But by doing that, the minimum bet is a dollar for a win, a dollar for a place, a dollar for a show. So it's essentially a $3 bet. That netted me a cool $6.70. What? Okay, so he's not a risk taker. He's your best bet for sports talk. 19, hit me. 20, hit me. 21, hit me. 22. Now back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. For the second time in a year, the Westgate High Tigers boys track and field team are state champions. They did so again at Bernie Moore over on the campus of LSU where Westgate produced three gold medals, six second-place finishes, and two third-place finishes to be the top-scoring team in Class 4A with 96 points to win their second consecutive state championship in track and field and joining us now to talk about how the Tigers have been able to do this putting together dominant run here of back-to-back seasons is a man in charge of the Westgate high track and field team coach Philip Gidry joins us now coach good morning to you brother how are you my friend good morning RP3 doing well how you doing man I'm doing great uh congratulations another state championship how does it uh feel to be able to defend that title like you guys were able to do this year it feels pretty good it's uh you know it's been a long couple of years we lost out on the 2020 season with the COVID uh we had a really solid team then uh Kayshawn Booty was a member of that team he's now at LSU playing football and we uh we really had a special group then but uh all that being said in 2021 we were able to get it done losing eight seniors 
prior from that 2020 season and then uh, lost a few more last year and just went really went to work and got it together you know so it was it all worked out for us how did losing that 2020 season due to the pandemic how did that change your approach to coaching and how did that change you as a coach well what i'll say about that is you can't take anything in life for granted nothing's promised uh, i always tell the kids not just the athletes that i coach but in the classroom as well that you shouldn't put off doing the things that you think you have tomorrow to do you should do them today you know so um making every moment count and taking advantage of every opportunity so what i did is i got to work i knew i had all this time i could have sat around and moped about it but i got together with the coaches and uh, our athletic director coach ryan antoine and we got uh, a plan together and we you know made things happen so it felt really good to do it not once but twice for you you guys go through that run last year first year back from the pandemic you lost all the seniors like you said you had eight of them uh, what was your own personal expectations last year when you guys started you know uh, started your meets did you feel like you had enough talent did you feel like you guys could be a state champion well we started the season off at the Cecilia Bulldog relays and I knew we had something special uh, a lot of those guys were still on the team they were underclassmen in years past and uh, we put them out there and they ran really well. I knew we were going to be really tough on the mid-distance side, and our relays are always pretty tough. So whenever we, you know, go throughout the meets throughout the season, we had some stuff happening on the track, and I kind of started looking at it saying we have a really good chance. And uh, Karen Crow had won it in 2019, which I knew they had some pretty tough seniors for that 2020 group. And uh, 2021 was their last really year of doing it, and uh, we were able to nudge them off and warn Easton to win the 2021 title. You win the championship. It's it's a great moment, but coaches have always said, have long said, it's it's far more difficult to stay on the top than it is to get to the top of the mountain. Is there is that just you know is that a cliche or is there some real truth to that? No, there is some truth to that, especially after uh, the kids won the twenty twenty one four A football championship. A lot of those kids are on my track team, and. Uh, you never know what their attitude's going to be as far as like, well, I'm a state champion in football. I don't need to go to track. But a lot of them have bought in from the get-go. They understand the value of how the two intertwine, how the stuff they're doing in the spring with track will benefit them in the, uh, you know, in the fall for football. And we do have some seniors, uh, Jordan Doucette, Cameron Spencer and all. They're going to play uh, college football. So they could have just shut it down and said, I'm going to prepare for my football season. But they did really prepare, I guess, by doing the track to get them, you know, the speed components and things like that. We're talking to Westgate track and field coach Philip Gidry. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Of course, his team has won back-to-back state champions, uh, state championships rather, in Class 4A. You know, l- let's talk about that. You you have a lot of guys that play other sports, and when you and I were growing up, coach. That was pretty common, right? Uh, if you're a football player, you definitely were playing baseball or running track to stay in shape, to stay in conditioning. But so many things have become very selective these days where kids are just focused on one sport. I know, of course, you and Coach Antoine have a great working relationship. Is it difficult to get the guys to play multiple sports there at Westgate? Because it sure doesn't seem that way. No, uh, Coach Antoine really does a good uh, job of 
overseeing everything with the, uh, the athletics at Westgate. Uh, we meet as coaching staff at the beginning of every year, and we kind of highlight what we plan to do. So uh, Coach Winston's with the basketball program, so a lot of the time it'll only benefit all of us to just work together. So um, we get like high jumpers and things like that, triple jumpers from the basketball team. And, uh, you know, we don't try to steal athletes from one another. We try to work hand-in-hand hand and just make sure that the kids are getting the adequate rest because it's all about them and trying to get the most out of them. So, Tell me a little bit about the young man, Traquan Francois. He was the 4A outstanding athlete, placed first in the 800 meters, second in the 400 meters, the 1600 meters, and was part of that second-place finish for the 4x400-meter relay team. Just tell me how special of an athlete he is. Yeah, Traquan Francis, he's a tough kid, man. I have I started teaching at Anderson uh, in 2014, and I met him uh, as a seventh grader. I think it was uh, 2017, and he had ran the uh, 1600, and I saw him run, and he was a really special-looking kid, and that was my specialty was the distance event, so I gravitated towards him and uh, just been working on him, and he really bought in, I'd say, the last couple years. He uh, – didn't really feel like he performed as well as he would like to have at the state meet last year, even though he did, you know, score some points for the team. But I saw a total uh, buy-in from this kid this past year, and he, uh, I mean, it paid off dividends. This kid won the Outstanding Performer Award, scored 22 points at state, and, uh, you know, he's a remarkable kid. He's going to be going to South Plains Junior College, top juco for track and field uh, coming up here in the fall. I'm really proud of him. Tell us a little bit about the system that you've put in place there at Westgate whenever you took over, Coach, and you kind of molded it after college programs and how they treat and how they run their track and field programs. Where did you get that inspiration, and, and what what is uh, what makes your system uh, maybe a little unique? Well, whenever I took over the program, my background was in the distance events primarily. And I knew we had some spectacular athletes at Westgate, and I didn't want to mess them up. So I said, well, I need to go and learn some things because, I mean, I do know a lot about track. I don't know it all, and uh, you're always going to be learning. Uh, so I take coaches' education very seriously. One of my mentors is Coach Boucher Snyder at uh, LSU. He's been a great uh, mentor for me and kind of helping me out, you know, teaching me the intricacies of the sport. Um my background is in exercise physiology, so I learned a lot about that in college and just learning how this stuff works together and just trying to find the commonalities in each event is the uh, the number one thing for me because you got a lot of different disciplines in track. you got jumps, sprints, throws, distance, and you just have to look for how they go hand-in-hand hand together to really get the most out of your program, being efficient with how you run your practices and not – do you feel now that you've won back-to-back state championships that this is something that you guys can sustain and be in the mix year in, year out, winning uh, and competing for state championships for years to come? Uh, yes, sir, I do. I believe in the system in which we've implemented. Um, like I say, I'm kind of like a mad scientist. Whenever I get in the lab, I look at the athletes that we have, and we just try to put them in the best possible situation to be successful. Uh, Coach Antoine, like I said, he's done a phenomenal job. People doubted him for a long time as the football coach. We had some some uh, rough years, but like they say, it's in the valleys that you grow. So if you're always on the mountaintops, you'll never really appreciate what it's like to be at the top. So 
those years where we had our struggles really taught us to appreciate what we do have. So um, I coach uh, Joe V. Hill from uh, Adams State University uh, formerly said that, uh, you know, these kids give us four years of their time. We owe it to them to give them our best. So, you know, because this may be the only chance these kids have to get out of here. So we got to we owe it to them to give them our all. And that's all we try to do here at Westgate. Wrapping up our conversation here with Philip Gidry, he is the head coach of the Westgate High School boys track and field team. They just won their second consecutive Class 4A state championship. He joins us here on the game. All right, Coach, what have you learned through this entire process as a head coach and now getting to the point where you're winning multiple state championships. Is there something that you know now that maybe you didn't know when you first started in coaching? Um, yeah, I guess it's just to value what you do have because you, it could be, uh, you know, you have a talented group of sprints one year, you might have the distance events. Um, so just understanding what you do have and putting the kids in the best possible situation, working with the other athletics groups here to put the kids in position to be successful. Um, we have a saying here, it's WAMP. It's uh, we ain't most people. We all make progress. We all make plays. And we, uh, we want to leave it better than we found it for sure. And, you know, teaching kids to be godly men and preparing them to be the leaders of the future. That's, that's our overall objective here at Westgate. Coach. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much for uh, giving us some uh, here this morning. I know you got a busy day as the school season, school year's uh, wrapping down, but uh, winding down rather. But congratulations on yet another state championship. Best of luck to you and your boys moving forward, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, RP3. You have a great day. That's Westgate High track and field coach Philip Yudry joining us here on RP3 and Company. They had a great team state title contending team in 2020 they didn't get a chance pandemic took that season away and they've taken full advantage of spring athletics coming back winning back-to-back state champion championships there at westgate high school football team won state track and field teams won state back-to-back years things are brewing down there in the berry at westgate high school just a reminder you need to go check out my friends over at Lafayette Marble and Granite. Look, they are the South's largest cultured marble factory, and they pride themselves on earning your business. They do provide more than just show-stopping marble countertops for your kitchens and your bathrooms. Look, you want to take that man cave area? You want to take that outdoor living space to another level? You want to make those areas the envy of your neighborhood during game days while you're cheering on the Saints? or the Cowboys, or the Cajuns, or the Tigers? I know you do. Then you need to go visit my friends over at Lafayette Marble and Granite. Their website's lmgelite.com. That's lmgelite.com. And look, you can learn about all their sensational services that they have to offer. They have great products as well. Live inventory is updated every single Wednesday. So go visit lmgelite.com right now today. Or, you know what? Just stop by their showroom. They're located right there on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford and the Jockey Lot. It's Lafayette Marble and Granite. They're looking to earn your business, and trust me, earn it they will. we got to take a timeout, 748 here on this Thursday edition of RP3 and Company. We'll wrap up hour number two, give you an update on the poll question of the day. 
That's all coming up next right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Oh, the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with ride tickets to the Cajun Heartland State Fair at the Cajun Dome, May 26th to June the 5th. That's right, ride tickets. Look, if you got a little one like I do, you know taking the kiddos to the fair can be expensive. Just can't be. Ride tickets are not cheap. You are going to want to score this prize from us trust me on this we took hattie to the fair a few weeks back we spent a pretty penny you know what would have been helpful free ride tickets you want free ride tickets for the cajun heartland state fair at the cajun dome coming up may 26th to june the 5th then text chsf that's chsf to 68683 to win a family four-pack of ride tickets to the Cajun Heartland State Fair. Once again, that's CHSF, the 68683, to win a family four-pack of ride tickets to the Cajun Heartland State Fair. Once again, text CHSF to 68683 to win a family four-pack of tickets to the Cajun Heartland State Fair. I do like going to the Cajun Heartland State Fair. We went last year. But... I already know what's going to happen if we take baby girl this year. She's going big time. Seven, going on eight, doesn't need to be riding the rides with daddy anymore. Done with that. Or as she told me at the Etouffee Festival a couple weeks ago, dad, I'm almost eight. I got this. Most of me was very pride. I was filled with pride in that moment. There was part of me that was crushed. Absolutely crushed. It's like she doesn't want to ride the rides anymore. She's seven. Had a great run. Had a great run. It's over now. It's done. My job, my work is done. <laughs> she, she's ready to go off to college. Doesn't need dad on the rides anymore. Man, when she got on that one ride where you stand up and it spins you upside down and everything, she's like, Pfft. then she got off of it and she's like, that wasn't that scary. Awesome. When we took her to Disney World, first ride we rode was the roller coaster there in animal kingdom the one that's the himalayas with the yeti not everest and it goes forwards and backwards yes first ride and we're like are you sure you want to ride this and she was barely tall enough to get on it she's like yep she loved it kid has no fear coasters does not matter did she have a ponytail so she can put a ponytail on the bit of the mountain like everybody else does no, I didn't know this was a thing. Tell me. T- you didn't, there's like a right, I think it's like actually right when you get to the the broken track to go backwards. Okay. There's like, and to the right, I think is where it is, is there's a whole side of the mountain that's just all these ponytails that girls like take off their wrist and then like fling it on the mountain. I did not, I was not aware of this. Now I do know. We'll have to go. Well, we'll, we'll yes. when we go back, we'll have to know that. But she loves this stuff. I mean, she loves coasters and everything. 
and the whole nine yards. Just she's not afraid. She's not afraid of heights. She's not afraid of things being rickety. The one thing at Disney World when we went a couple years ago, this is before the pandemic. We went over Thanksgiving. So she was, well, I guess five, was mm-hmm. she had just turned five. Was the Bugs Life attraction that you're in a theater and you get to watch these digital images, but they have like where they spray you with you're in the dark and they spray yeah. you with like, you know, compressed air and some mist and stuff like that. That freaked her the hell out because she doesn't like bugs. So I also figured out when the Beatles like came through underneath the seats too. <laughs> no, she did not. She did not like it. Oh, she, she started. <laughs> she, thing. She, she started boohooing. <laughs> I was like, I was like, what's wrong? You just rode the roller coaster, which goes upside down and everything like that. That not a problem. So she, I guess bugs. She was, was not, not gonna it. like the the stitch experiment. Six two six. It was closed. It was closed. We. Oh, we, good thing. she would not have liked that either. It was closed. So I was like, okay, <laughs> all right. I mean, and, and that's her one thing. She's a daredevil. Riding the bike, roller coasters, trampoline, you know, tricks, the whole nine yards. She's all about that kind of stuff. Bugs is what gets her. Not down with the bugs. Has to have daddy kill the bugs. So I'm still needed. She may be seven yeah. going on 27, but when there's a bug <laughs> in the house, I'm still needed to come kill it. That's my job as the man of the house is to make sure to kill all the bugs. I just get all the bugs here too because I don't <laughs> yes, like bugs Yes, either. you have me do the same thing. I know. <laughs> Poll question of the day. Which veteran free agent wide receiver should the Saints sign? That's our poll question of the day. 65% of you say Jarvis Landry. 13% say Emmanuel Sanders. 12% of you say no one. And 10% say Cole Beasley. Keep voting on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. We'll actually ask our next, next guest about that question. He covers the New Orleans Saints and the Pelicans for CrescentCitySports.com. Les East will join us live next right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. From the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Welcome back to RP3 and Company, 8.04 on the clock, which means, hey, we're beginning our final hour on this Thursday edition of the show. Coming up in a half hour from right now, Peter Dreyer, author of a great new baseball book. It's about history. It's about the game we all love, America's Pastime. That's coming up half an hour from right now. Coming up in about 20 minutes from right now, we will unveil our latest entry into Get to Know the Game, our weekly blog where we unveil something about ourselves, all the personalities here on the station. This week, it's about what's your favorite Cajun slash Creole dish. We got some great entries. Mine will be all about my wife and how awesome she is making said dishes. I, can't, I couldn't just pick one. There's multiple ones. 
That'll be coming up. But right now, we're going to talk New Orleans Saints offseason. We're going to talk New Orleans Pelicans with our friend who covers both of those franchises from CrescentCitySports.com, the one and only Mr. Les East. Les, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? Doing well, Raymond. How are you? I'm doing great, bud. I'm doing great. So let's start with the Saints because there's been a lot of whispers, a lot of rumors that they've been kind of flirting with Jarvis Landry. There's mutual interest from both sides for the former star LSU wide receiver. It's really going to boil down to what he wants. Does he want to, you know, stay in the division and play against his old team that spurned him and go play for Baltimore? Or does he want to come home and play for New Orleans? What are you hearing, and what do you think the likelihood is that the Saints and Landry can get a deal done? Well, I, I think to drill down a little bit on what you said, I, I think it comes down not only um, to to Jarvis and how badly he wants to come home, but I think it also comes down to how interested are the Ravens. I, I do think the Saints have some money under the cap, but they, they can't. And, and certainly I don't think would, even if I had the money, uh, meet Jarvis's asking price. I think originally it was around 19 or $20 million. He's come down on that a little bit, but he's still north of what the Saints, I think, would be willing or able to pay him. Uh, and so I think this is going to be market-driven to a large degree. I think the Ravens are the uh, outside team most interested in him now and most likely to drive the price up. So if they want him bad enough to, you know, get into a bidding war and keep driving it up uh, and come closer or even meet Jarvis's asking price, then I think at some point the, the, the Pelicans will just, I mean, the Saints will just back away. But I think the Saints would like to have him at a price that's in their range. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. At this point, I think it's more likely he goes elsewhere than comes here, but I wouldn't rule it out. I I just think there's going to be enough competition in the marketplace that it's going to get closer to what Jarvis wants to receive than it does to what the Saints want to spend. Uh, But, you know, this has dragged on for a while. I think Jarvis really wants to be here. I think the Saints would like to have him. It's going to come down uh, to what the market offers and exactly how flexible Jarvis is on what he's willing to accept uh, to come home. If they don't come to terms with Jarvis, who's probably, who may be a little bit out of their price range, right? Do they still look to add a veteran wide receiver? That's our actual our poll question of the day this morning, Les. Is, you know, there's other guys out there. Emmanuel Sanders, who's already been with the team, he's a free agent. Cole Beasley is a free agent. You have some, you know, veteran guys out there that are looking for deals, maybe be willing to take a one year team friendly deal. Do the Saints go kick the tires on any other veteran free agents if they can't get Jarvis? Yeah, I think they would look around. Uh, this is a little bit different than the Tyron Matthews situation in that, and Mickey Loomis basically said this if you read the tea leaves after the draft, and that was that uh, they came out of the draft with uh, one position where they had to have an NFL caliber starter 
and that was safety. And they went out and they got Tyron Matthew to fill that need. You know, they they went and got Chris Olivet to to be uh, a compliment to Mike Thomas as their wide receiver. They still have some young people behind those two that they like. Uh, so wide receiver is not as urgent a need uh, as it was going into the draft. So that's more of a would like to have another player but don't have to have another player, which is one of the reasons why they're not going to go uh, get into a bidding war to any significant degree on Jarvis because they're not in a desperate situation. But I think if they don't get Jarvis, they will look around and, again, See if the marketplace gives them a player they like at a price they like. And they could still bring in a a veteran other than Landry at a reasonable price. But it wouldn't be shocking if they entered training camp with the same receivers that they have now. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me either because they do have a lot of faith in Callaway and Traquan Smith and some of those other guys that they like, right? So they do have faith in that, and they have Michael Thomas coming back, and they did draft Alave. Let me ask you this, Les. They missed out on uh, Sonny Michelle. He ends up signing with the Dolphins. I know they like the kid from Baylor, who the, it was an undrafted rookie free agent that they signed and gave a quarter of a million guaranteed contract to. Do they still go after a veteran running back to come in to help shore up the backfield? Yeah, I think they're still exploring that. Uh, in fact, I think Mickey even came out and said after the draft that uh, they would like to have a veteran running back, and hence the visit from Sony Michelle. He wound up in Miami. Uh, but I, I think they would still like to have a veteran uh, running back. You know, Mark Ingram looked pretty good last year uh, for a guy who's been around a long time. But he's going to be 33 during the season. They, they still have the potential suspension of um, Alvin Kamara that could come along. We don't know if it would be this year or next year, but they have to be prepared for the possibility that, that he'll be gone for a significant amount of time this year. Uh, but, you know, Dwayne Washington's going to make the team as a special teams leader. Tony Jones, the third, uh, the second, rather, is, or Tony Jones Jr. is a, another possibility, plus a kid from Baylor. You start to run out of spots for running backs real fast. So they have to decide are they looking at somebody to compete with Mark Ingram for a spot on the roster? Do they have room for another veteran? Is it somebody who can contribute on special teams? Can they get them at the right spot? So it's a complicated situation, but I think they are definitely looking for a veteran that they can find in the right role at the right price. We're talking with Les Ease. He covers the New Orleans Saints and the New Orleans Pelicans for ChristmasCitySports.com. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Okay, running back may be something that they address. What else could you see them do during this kind of dead period before training camp ramps up? What position group, if any at all, do you think they're going to possibly address less? Because they do have $16 million in cap space before they sign their draft picks because the Honey Badger contract is only going to cost them a little over $3 million this year. Yeah, I think you're going to see them uh, probably bring in a, a couple of veteran players in one way or another. Now, whether it's you know somebody, whether it's a Jarvis Landry or a someone comparable to a Sony Michelle or somebody who's considered a, 
a fairly significant veteran at this point, or if it's a, a lower level uh, veteran free agent or two, uh, depends on the, the market and just, just what guys are looking for and what kind of deals are able to strike. But with that money that they have, um, I, I do think that, that running back and wide receiver both have a pretty good chance of being addressed. After that, I think they would look at tight end as a possibility. There, there's still some depth concerns there. Depth on the offensive line is still uh, a concern. And then, um, you know, they, they said you can never have a, uh, too many defensive backs, and I think that would be another area that would be a possibility. But I would put, um, you know, tight end uh, and offensive line depth ahead of that. Where do we stand on Jameis Winston being fully prepared for training camp? Is he going to be limited at all, or do you think he's going to be a full go once they report? Oh, I think there will be some restrictions on him in training camp. I don't think it will be uh, anything significant. But, you know, I, I do think that, you know they tend to give veteran – at least Sean Payton was pretty liberal in giving out uh, veteran days off. Uh, and, and certainly with guys coming off of major surgeries, that was always a consideration. I think Dennis Allen will do the same, that there will be days when he will, uh, when Jameis will be given the day off to, so that they don't push the knee too much. But I don't think there will be severe restrictions. I don't think he'll participate at the beginning of camp. They'll bring him along uh, judiciously. Uh, I think his reps in, in preseason games will be fairly limited uh, with the idea that he's uh, ready to go for the opener. I think that's the goal. You know, we're still in mid-May, uh, so, you know, there's a lot of rehab yet for him to do, a lot of evaluation to be done, but I don't think the restrictions uh, that they will have in place in training camp will be uh, significant. I think it will just be sensible. Uh, caution as he's coming off a serious knee surgery. What about Michael Thomas? Well, you know, nobody knows. We we haven't seen oh, him. That there again? There hasn't been a lot of information <laughs> coming out about him, but he is, uh, you know, it's been a long time. The injury was uh, two Septembers ago, and he had the uh, surgery uh, January of uh, 21. And, uh, you know, he had a setback along the way, but he's been working. Things seems to seem to be going better. I think he will probably be in a similar situation to Jameis, and that uh, there will be some uh, common-sense limitations placed on him uh, to minimize the risk of aggravating the injury. But I, I would expect that he'd be a uh, pretty much a full participant in training camp with the goal of being ready to go for the opener, which, by the way, we'll know later today, probably when it leaks this afternoon. If not, we should know it shortly after 7 o'clock. The schedule will be released today. We already know that the Saints have to play a dumb London game, which I I hate, by the way, Les. Nothing like taking a team who uh, had a home game taken away from them last year because of a hurricane and then making them lose another home game by making them play in London. It's just moronic, in my humble opinion. That being said, the way this team is constructed and the way that you know a lot of people feel like it could be a contender in the NFC, how many primetime matchups do you think we're going to see from the Saints when the schedule's released today? Well, I think they'll have three or four. 
they've uh, they've been on prime time a lot over the years. Uh, since they've been so successful, they uh, they generally bring really good uh, TV ratings. They generally put on a good show. Uh, there's every reason to think they're going to be a serious playoff contender this year. So I would think uh, probably four, but certainly at least three. And, and by the way, in a shameless plug, uh, shortly after the schedule is officially released tonight, I know everybody's going to want to look at the games and study the schedule, but I'll be posting on CrescentCitySports.com a little bit after 7 uh, the results of those games. So after you absorb the schedule itself, then you can go to CrescentCitySports.com and actually uh, sink your teeth into what's going to actually happen in those games. Less. Appreciate you, Tom, as always. Brother, I'll have to make sure to check that out. And thank you so much for your time, bud. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Raymond. Ooh. Les Eats is going to break down the schedule and give you his predictions. There you go. My man, he's ready. He's ready for the season to be here. Hey, you need to be ready to score some great stuff by becoming a member of our clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Go visit our website. Sign up for our clubhouse. It's free to do so. So you can have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. That's right. You want to help? We want to help you take your lady out for some delicious Gulf seafood, but you can only win that $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House by joining the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. So go sign up today. It's free to do so. We got to take a timeout. Coming up next, get to know the game right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. May 12th, 1955. Chicago Cub pitcher Sam Toothpick Jones becomes the first African-American to throw a no-hitter in Major League Baseball, winning four-zip over the Pittsburgh Pirates at Wrigley Field. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to RP3 and Company. We're just a few moments away, a few minutes away, if you will, about five or six minutes from Peter Dreyer, published author. He's got a new book about the history of baseball. He's going to be coming up and joining us here on the show. Don't forget to also vote on our poll question of the day. Which veteran free agent do you believe the Saints should go out and sign? Maybe Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders, maybe Jarvis Landry, or... Do you feel confident in the wide receiving core and say none? Go vote on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. And we'll update that before we close out shop today. But right now, it's time for us to talk about us. It's the little me time here on RP3 and Company. Now, get to know the game. This is something that we launched a few months ago where every week 
we put together a blog post where we answer a question to unveil a little bit about us to you, the listener. It's a little note. We've done, what was your first car? What was your first celebrity crush? What was the sports moment that made you cry? So forth and so forth. And this week, we brought it, we brought it home. We brought something to the table that's close and near and dear to all of our hearts, and it's, what is your favorite Cajun Creole dish? It's now posted up on the website, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. You can go check it out. It's our latest get-to-know-the-game. And uh, we had a lot of great selections here. Producer extraordinaire Hannah Five Names says her favorite is crawfish etouffee, mainly because it was the one of the first dishes I had when I got to Lafayette for college. Time out. You never had crawfish etouffee before you came to school? You never had it down in Slittle? I did, but it was one of the first I had down here, and I, I'm not at all going to say I'm at all Cajun. I'm not. Slittle is not Cajun whatsoever. No, it's not. So even if we do make it over there, it does not mean it tastes at all like it is made out here. <laughs> that's, so. that's that's fair. That's fair. But you also, uh, lots of rice and gravy were a lot oh. of the the um, – the selections here, rice and gravy for Clint Domain. He also said shrimp etouffee. Of course, Kevin Foote, host of Footnotes, by the way, 9 to 11, weekdays right here on the game. His grandparents were actual rice farmers, so he grew up eating rice, and his main dish is rice and gravy. He loves rice and gravy. That is his go-to. Plus, he loves oh, to yeah. put vegetables on top of it, puts the corn with the rice and gravy. It's a game changer. It is good. It is good. It is good. But I have to give a shout-out to my wife. Because she has exposed me to food I never even knew existed. And I married an actual Cajun woman from St. Landry Parish. So she takes her cooking very seriously. Like there are times where she'll make a Cajun dish for me. And I say, this is maybe the greatest thing I've ever tasted. And she will sit there and be critiquing herself. She goes, well, I, I don't think it was that good. And I'll be like, babe, this is like a top five dish I've ever had. You can put this on the list and make this whenever you feel the need Get after it. Go to town. But she's hard on herself because most Cajun women are, especially when it comes to cooking. So I was able to uh, somehow convince a Cajun woman to marry me. Not for sure how I was able to do that. That's a discussion really for another sure day. Either. Yeah, no one knows. No, <laughs> we'll, no one knows how we'll that happened. We'll come back to that. <laughs> we'll come back to that. But so I always loved gumbo. I lived in New Orleans. I lived in Baton Rouge. Always loved gumbo. My wife makes the best gumbo I've ever had. Chicken and sausage gumbo. She puts the, the smoked turkey necks in there. Woo! But that's not even her best dish when it comes to that. Okay? Two of my favorites I never had before I even met her. Like, never had in my life. One of them was shrimp and egg stew. And now that's one of my favorites. I, even, I never even knew it existed before I met her. The other one is catfish cuvion, which I never had as well. And she made it the first time. I go, what, I go, what the hell are you doing? I go, what, what, what do you mean? What is this? She goes, trust me on this. I had it. I was like, oh, that's become one of the top five favorites. But as good as all those dishes are, and they're some of my favorites, my favorite is crawfish etouffee. She mm -hmm. makes by far the best crawfish etouffee I've ever had, including restaurants. So shout out to my wife. She keeps me fat and happy. Even when we're trying to diet, she still keeps me fat and happy. <laughs> she's an absolutely phenomenal cook. And she's easy on the eyes. So, boom, there you go. <laughs> you know, 
You know, when we started dating, I was like, wow, she's good looking and she cooks? Winner. <laughs> well, I got, I, got, I, I, I got to do whatever I can to convince her that she needs to spend the rest of her life with me. And I did. Look at that. The, the big success. Aww. Oh, I know. I know. I know. Hey, they, they say the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. <laughs> that is not a lie. It's not a lie. Not a lie whatsoever. A hand's half of what I have, I have Kenneth as well. Yes. Yes. Trust me on this. Trust me on this. So go check it out. It's our latest Get to Know the Game. It's posted right now on our website. We'll share it on our social media platforms as well. It's what is your favorite Cajun Creole dish? You get to learn all about us here at the game. Go check that out right now. But we got to take a timeout. But before we do, I got to let you know about safety. I got to let you know about the right things to do when it comes to doing projects there on your property. Because here in Louisiana, there are thousands of miles of utility lines and gas pipelines buried just beneath the surface. And sometimes multiple lines are in one area. So look, if you are a contractor that you've hired is digging a hole to put in a new fence, a pool, or even minor landscaping, maybe a nice, you know, flowers around the house, it does not matter. You run the risk of hitting an underground line by digging only a few inches. So what happens then? Maybe you only knock the power out for your entire neighborhood, but sometimes there's an explosion with injuries and even death. It happens every single year, and there's a very simple way to avoid it. Before you dig, call 811. Call 811 two days before you dig. Tell the operator your address, and someone's going to come out and mark the location of buried lines so you or your contractor can avoid them. It's simple, it's free of charge, and it's the law. Louisiana 811 operates 811 as a public service, and to promote public safety, Louisiana 811 and the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, remind you. Call 811 and know what's below before you dig. Coming up next, Peter Dreyer, co-author of a great new baseball book. That's coming up. It's about the history of the game from a different perspective. You're going to enjoy this interview. It's next. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Even with the popularity of other sports like football and basketball, baseball is very much still the national pastime in our country. But that doesn't mean that its history isn't complicated. And it's complicated because of the movers and shakers behind the scenes, owners, managers, players, and everyone in between. And there's a great new book out there on the shelves right now that kind of goes a little bit further in to just how complex the world of baseball is. It's called Baseball Rebels, the players, people, and social movements that shook up the game and changed America. And joining us now here on RP3 and Company is the man who co-wrote the book. It's Mr. Peter Dreyer. Peter, good morning to you, brother. How are you? I'm doing fine. Good morning. I'm doing great. Uh, First question, and uh, I started reading this book, and I find it uh, absolutely fascinating. Just start off a little bit. How did you and Robert, what was the the genesis, if you will, of putting together this book? And I know you also wrote another book called Major League Rebels that is being coming out at the same time. A lot of the same people uh, are featured in both books. What was the genesis? Well, we're both big baseball fans, and we both played baseball in uh, high school and college. And we've also 
uh, been political activists. And so we've uh, been interested in the relationship between how baseball influences society and how society influences baseball. As you said, for you know, most of the 20th century, baseball was considered the national pastime, and what baseball did influenced the rest of the culture. The most obvious example being uh, Jackie Robinson breaking the color line in 1947, which happened you know, before the mainstream civil rights movement really got off the ground, but was really a, um, a, an opening statement that America needed to do something different, and baseball came first. Um, and so in Baseball Rebels, we look at uh, the history of how baseball is connected to uh, issues of race, issues of gender, issues of sexuality. And in our other book, Major League Rebels, we look at how baseball is connected to issues of workers' rights and war and peace. And in both of those books, we look at the people, the sports writers, the players, the managers, even a few owners, um, who played roles in, in the sport and in the larger society in moving the country in a different direction, in a more uh, egalitarian and small-D democratic direction. You know, you mentioned in the book, you know, and you brought up just now Jackie Robinson. Obviously, it's the 75th anniversary of him breaking the color barrier in baseball, and it is a monumental achievement and it's a, a thing that kind of changed the future of major league baseball forever but as big as that was there had been other movements there had been other pushes to break the color uh, color barrier and to kind of change the way baseball operated uh, what can you tell us uh, about that because everyone thinks they think of jackie they don't think before jackie absolutely we have a chapter in the book called uh, before jackie robinson the, the typical story in movies, in plays, in children's books um, is that Jackie Robinson and Branch Rickey somehow managed, just the two of them, to break baseball's color barrier, that Jackie Robinson was the brilliant athlete um, with an enormous uh, resilience uh, and willingness to sacrifice for a larger principle, and Branch Rickey was the brilliant political strategist the uh, general manager of the Dodgers, who figured out how to maneuver the system so that Jackie Robinson could play for initially first base for the Brooklyn Dodgers in 1947. But in fact, the movement to integrate baseball goes back much further, it goes back to the, um, the early 1930s when Jackie Robinson was still in junior high school. And uh, at that point, uh, the black newspapers in America uh, radical politicians uh, in Congress and in the city council, particularly in New York, but in other places, in Boston and other places, um, unions uh, and some you know, major political figures like Paul Robeson were pushing Major League Baseball to open up to African Americans. And uh, the typical line by the owners and by the baseball commissioner at the time, Kennesaw Landis, was that a, black players aren't good enough to play in the major leagues, and B, uh, players and managers wouldn't want blacks on their team, and so therefore it would be disruptive. And so these black newspapers and these and the other and the unions uh, challenge those assumptions uh, in a couple of ways. The, the, the newspapers interviewed a lot of white uh, players and managers and asked them, would you mind if black players were on the 
uh, on your team? And most, some said no, particularly the ones from the Deep South, but many of them said yes, including Southerners. And then they also wrote stories about how it, during the off-season, a lot of Negro League teams would play exhibition games against Major League teams, including World Series champions. And more often than not, the Negro League teams beat them. And so the headlines in these black newspapers, as well as in left-wing newspapers like the Daily Worker, which was the Communist Party uh, newspaper, their headlines would say, Satchel Page beats Dizzy Dean. Uh, Satchel Page being the greatest pitcher in the Negro Leagues and Dizzy Dean probably being the best pitcher in the Major Leagues at the time. And so they were, they were basically trying to change public opinion, trying to uh, embarrass the owners, embarrass the baseball commissioners, and try to open up our, uh, our country to the national pastime being more like America, which is more diverse and having African-Americans. And it took uh, over a decade of that protest. Uh, sometimes they would picket in front of uh, uh, baseball stadiums. Sometimes they would get people to sign petitions. But throughout that period, from the early 1930s until Jackie Robinson actually signed a contract with the Dodgers in 1945, there was a constant uh, chorus of uh, protest against the segregation of Major League Baseball. And Jackie Robinson understood that. He understood that although he had a lot of talent and was a great athlete, a, a four-sport athlete in college, um, that he owed uh, the, uh, the opportunity he had to break the color barrier to this protest movement that preceded him. And he paid back that debt. Uh, throughout the rest of his life while he was a player and after he retired from Major League Baseball by being outspoken about social and economic and racial justice issues, being on the front lines of protest movements, and, and trying to, uh, to re help the rest of society recognize that baseball came first, but the rest of society had to open up its doors to African Americans. We're talking with Peter Dreyer. He's the co-author of Baseball Rebels, the Players, People, and Social Movements that Shook Up the Game and Changed America. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Peter, I want to talk about uh, another fascinating uh, character or fascinating uh, figure in the history of baseball, Rube Foster. And you guys uh, write about him in the book. Uh, so many younger baseball fans have no idea who Rube is. Just how important is he, and why did you guys feel like it was necessary to have him featured in your book? Well, you know, if you were a, a white baseball fan uh, in the 1920s, 30s, 40s, and even 50s, you had no idea that there was something called the Negro Leagues, that there were great black players, the equivalent of Ty Cobb and uh, Joe DiMaggio and Babe Ruth and so forth. Most Americans had never heard of these players, but they were uh, popular figures in the black community. And uh, the founder of the Negro Leagues was this guy named uh, Rube Foster. He was a star pitcher for a black professional team in the early uh, 1900s. And then in, the in 1920, he created something called the Negro National League, uh, where he became a highly successful manager and executive. He was eventually elected to the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame in 1981. But Rube Foster was... Uh, a genius. He was an entrepreneur. He was a great athlete. He was a motivator of, uh, of other athletes. Um, and he formed the Negro Leagues, which became, um, you know, a major source of entertainment and employment in the black community for the, during the 20s, 30s, 
40s and 50s before Major League Baseball integrated. And um, he was uh, one of the people who, you know, said all along, these players, black players, are just as good as white players. And uh, most white Americans never had an opportunity to to see Satchel Paige and Josh Gibson and uh, Cool Papa Bell and all these amazing black athletes that played uh, often in rickety stadiums. Sometimes they would play in major league stadiums when the major league teams were out of town. But um, but they were very popular figures. And um, until the 1960s, when there was a revival of interest in uh, in black baseball, um, most Americans still hadn't heard of those folks. But eventually what happened is that Ted Williams, uh, you got to give him a lot of credit, Ted Williams, when he was uh, inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1966, um, he gave his induction speech, and he said it's about time that the great Negro League players get into the Hall of Fame. And it wasn't uh, until a few years later that um, Satchel Paige, Josh Gibson, and some of the great uh, other Negro League players got into the Hall of Fame. And now, uh, about a year and a half ago, Major League Baseball actually uh, redefined the Negro Leagues as a, a major league, and now there's a, uh, a lot more awareness of that. But Rube Foster was kind of the, um, the, the George Washington of Negro Baseball in America, and, uh, and he played an important role both in organizing the teams um, and in creating this entire uh, league of, uh, of teams that became uh, had heroic figures in the black community that, as I said, most white Americans didn't know about. But if you were reading the, the African-American newspapers at the time or just going to baseball games, you knew about Satchel Paige and Josh Gibson. It's, it's unfortunate that, um, that they weren't better known in their own day. I've said this before, and, and Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier, and that impact lasted generations, but... I've I've started to feel this way for a couple of years now, Peter, is that Roberto Clemente, his impact on the game internationally, I feel like we are still feeling that now uh, going on a couple of decades of generations of players from uh, Central and South America that revere him as essentially their Jackie Robinson and his impact. You're seeing so many Latin players in the game, just how critical and instrumental is Clemente in his career and his impact on the game uh, meant to baseball. You're absolutely right. Roberto Clemente was from Puerto Rico, uh, which means he was an American citizen. He was in the U.S. Marines. Uh, he was uh, initially drafted by the Dodgers, and they brought him up to Montreal. And then, you know, stupidly, the Dodgers let him go, and he wound up spending his entire career with the Pittsburgh Pirates, where he was probably the greatest player in the history of the Pittsburgh Pirates and probably one of the top ten outfielders in the history of Major League Baseball. Um, and so he made his uh, mark on the field as an outstanding player with a, um, a great batting average and, um, uh, and a perennial all-star. But as you said, he also made his mark in the larger society as being, as you said, the, the Jackie Robinson of Latino players. There had been previous uh, Latinos in, uh, in Major League Baseball, including Minnie Minoso, who was just elected to the Hall of Fame, but um, but they tended to be relatively quiet about the uh, uh, the indignities they faced uh, as Latinos. And uh, Roberto Clemente spoke back, spoke out, and he said, you know, like uh, 
of sports writers would make fun of his accent, um, and they uh, they thought he was lazy when in fact he had a lot of injuries, uh, and he didn't like the way that Latinos were being treated in in Major League Baseball, and he spoke out about it. And another, there's another episode we talk about in our book that's I think really I don't think many people know about this. In 19, he became very close friends with Martin Luther King because he was not only Latino, he was uh, a black-skinned Latino. Um, and so he became friends with King. He followed the Civil Rights Movement very closely. And in 1968, when Martin Luther King was assassinated in, in Memphis, uh, his funeral was scheduled for opening day. And most of the other sports at the time um, canceled their, their games. Uh, or their contests, but Major League Baseball left it up to each team, which really angered uh, a lot of the players, particularly the black players, but some white players as well. And um, the Pittsburgh Pirates were supposed to play the Houston Astros in Houston on the day of Martin Luther King's funeral. And uh, Roberto Clemente, along with a few other players, including Maury Wills, who was on the Pirates at the time, basically organized their teammates and organized the Houston Astros to... um, to go on strike for that day, to refuse to play um, in honor of Dr. King. And the owners were really angry, but there was nothing they could do about it because the players were insistent. In fact, they had a, a team meeting that Roberto Clemente organized, and the white and black players unanimously agreed not to play uh, that opening day in honor of Dr. King. And the word spread throughout Major League Baseball, uh, and all the opening uh, day games were canceled in 1968 uh, in honor of Dr. King. Uh, And so baseball had to deal with uh, the reality that Roberto Clemente was not only a great player, but he was also a great citizen. And as probably many of your listeners know, he died in 1972 uh, while delivering uh, food and medicine to the victims of the Nicaragua earthquake that took place uh, that year. he had, you know, he, he had played in the Nicaraguan leagues during the winter. He had a lot of friends in Nicaragua. He helped encourage Nicaraguan players uh, to, uh, to to think about playing in the major leagues. People like Dennis Martinez, and um, and so when the earthquake hit uh, Nicaragua, he felt a, an obligation to do something about it and to use his celebrity and whatever resources he had. And so he organized these caravans of planes going. To Nicaragua, and it turns out that the uh, the Nicaraguan dictatorship, run by this general named Somoza, uh, in cahoots with the American government, unfortunately, were um, were taking a lot of the food and the medicine that was supposed to be directed to the victims of the hurricane, <clears throat> and taking it for themselves, taking it for the the wealthy people in uh, in Nicaragua. And so uh, Clemente felt that uh, that wouldn't happen if he were on the site, if he were there. So he got on a plane, uh, a rickety old plane that was overloaded with food and medicine and three other people, including the pilot, and he flew to Nicaragua to make sure that the, that the uh, medicine and the food was distributed fairly, and that plane crashed on takeoff. Um, and so he died uh, as a humanitarian. And, uh, you know, everybody knows that Jackie Robinson's number has been uh, uh, retired, and there's the Jackie Robinson Day every year, April 15th. I think it would behoove Major League Baseball to do the same thing for Roberto Clemente. 
Peter, appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Best of luck uh, to you and Robert with these two great books. And, and thank you so much. And we'll talk again soon. Great. It's been a pleasure. Thanks very much. That's Peter Dreyer. He's co-author of Baseball Rebels. The players, people, and social movements that shook up the game and changed America. And you can look for that book in your local bookstore or by ordering it online through Amazon.com. Hey, just a reminder. This Saturday, the world-famous Clint Domain, that's right, CD, will be broadcasting Under the Dome live from Lake Charles for This Is Home Festival. CD is going to be broadcasting the show live from 9 to 11 from Ryan Street in downtown Lake Charles for This Is The Home Festival. There's going to be live music all day, food vendors, beer and wine. Guess what? CD also has koozies and t-shirts to give away. Tune in for Under The Dome live from Lake Charles this Saturday or simply swing by and say hi to CD in person. we got to take a time out. More RP3 and company coming up. We'll close out today's show, update the poll question, and get you set up for Kevin Foot and Footnotes. That's all next right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Just a reminder, Houston Astros baseball. You're going to get the doubleheader today. Last night's game was suspended due to severe weather in Minneapolis there in the fourth inning. They're going to pick the game back up at noon today. Once that game is completed, 30 minutes afterwards, game two, the originally scheduled afternoon baseball game between the Strohs and the Twins, will take place. You'll be able to listen to both of those games live right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for Houston Astros baseball in southwest Louisiana. I want to take a moment to thank our guest on this Thursday edition of RP3 and Company, Philip Guidry. Westgate High Track and Field Coach. The Tigers won the state championship back-to-back years. It was great catching up with him. Les East giving us the latest on the Saints in their offseason. Once again, schedule is released tonight or early this afternoon, depending on how many leaks <laughs> are, are done in the afternoon, which happens every single year. And Peter Dreyer, author of a great new baseball book. Appreciate them for their time. Poll question of the day. We asked you, it's about the Saints. They're flirting with Jarvis Landry, but can they afford him? Maybe, maybe not. Which veteran free agent wide receiver should the Saints sign? We gave you some options. 65% of you said Jarvis Landry. 14% of you, though, said none. You like the wide receiving core as it is. 12% say Emmanuel Sanders. And 9% say Cole Beasley. Appreciate everyone who voted on the poll question of the day. Left your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Also appreciate the phone calls this morning, Doug and Jamie. Shout out to them. For the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names, I'm Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. We'll do it all again tomorrow, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foote and Footnotes is up next, right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.